watch the rewind i'm josh and this is a podcast where i watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends today's episode is about greta gerwig's barbie joining me today she just invested in a moho doho casa house it's kayla stetzel kayla have any existential crises lately Oh, so many. So many. <laughs> also joining me, he just saw Oppenheimer and is ready to make a career pivot from scientist to beach. It's John Police. John, what's going on? Thank you for having me. I uh, still do not know what the job beach entails, but I'm very excited for that to be my next uh, CV line. <laughs> there we go. So uh, Barbie, obviously a big deal. Everyone's been anticipating it for a while. It's Greta Gerwig's follow up to 2019's Little Woman, an episode of the podcast on which Kayla previously joined me. And uh, she co-wrote it with her professional and personal partner, Noah Bombach, who is also hasn't really done much since uh, 2019's Marriage Story. So nice to have him back in the mix. It's produced and stars Margot Robbie as the title character, uh, co-stars uh, Ryan Gosling as Ken, and a whole host of other people in different supporting ro- roles that we'll talk about. It starts out in Barbie world, and uh, Barbie is living her perfect life, but then starts to notice some imperfections, and in order to fix it, has to go back into the real world to help set things right with the child that has is primarily the one playing with her, or so she thinks, and Ken then ends up going with her, and, you know, hijinks and, uh, hijinks and battles with the patriarchy ensue. Kayla, I'm I'm going to start with you, and I'm curious because obviously the marketing for this movie was a very big deal. Anyone that's listening to this is well aware of it, so we don't need to, you know, go through every little uh, marketing uh, effort that they made. They've all been uh, well publicized, and it was very successful. The movie has done very well. But one thing I really kind of appreciated about it, which sometimes people complain if they don't know what, exactly what a movie is going to be about beforehand, and I could give a shit, you know, I'm just yeah. I was just like very happy that the movie looked like it was going to be fun, and I didn't have to have any of the plot spoiled for me. But you know. Know, they they marketed it in such a way where everyone was like primed to have fun without exactly knowing what the plot was going to be. And I know you were you like me were probably pretty excited for it, Kayla. So I'm pr- kind of curious, given whatever you did know going in, uh, what were you kind of hoping that the movie was going to be, and did it ultimately meet your expectations? Y- yes, <laughs> <laughs> it it definitely met my expectations. You know, I think it exceeded them in some some ways, maybe missed the mark a little bit in others, but. Mm overall like so happy with this film um i went in knowing nothing and that's i like to go in as dry as possible i love when my trailers tell me nothing i like when it's just all vibes no content um you know very like lynching in that respect i think but yeah no this movie was fantastic and i just went in expecting i went in expecting depth and i went in expecting to cry because i know greta Mm. like i her work She's just so layered with it. And since it was her film, I knew she'd bring her perspective. And she captures femininity and womanhood in a way that I haven't seen anybody else do. So I knew that a lot of audience members might feel a little hoodwinked um, because it was marketed as like very fun. And I knew that it was going to be very fun, but I was like, this is also a Greta Gerwig film. So I know that I will probably be crying at some point. And I did cry. So, Well, did you laugh funny too? That's the important. That's oh, the important I laughed thing. so much. Well, and I think it's uh, pretty impressive when, you know, you can make a movie like for me. I mean, I smiled almost the entire time, but, you know, if you can accomplish that, but also, you know, move the audience emotionally in the ways they manage to, I think that shows you've accomplished a lot. Uh, John, I know you've already seen it twice and you've gone on a journey with it. 
uh, it just, it j just since your first viewing. And I'm wondering, uh, I guess an another interesting thing I'll, I'll start with in asking you is that I think I've seen a lot, I don't, I'm, I'm going to try and avoid making this like, oh, here's a criticism. Can you guys, uh, you know, bat down that sh straw man or that criticism or whatever. But I'm curious because when something like this is made in such close connection with a company like Mattel, a lot of people are going to come out of it cynically being like, you know, I, I, this was, uh, you know, I, I can't help but still think about the fact that as fun as I had that it, it was, it's still there to sell toys. I mean, that's something I've heard so many different critics, even ones that gave it a positive review kind of thought about. I'm wondering, uh, was there a, a, a biggest thing that Greta was able to accomplish, John, that made, made it feel like to you, Hey, this was more than just like, you know, some corporate effort, or did you leave it being like, I got so much out of this and I can't believe it feels like they got, they hoodwinked Mattel. I don't know if I would phrase it as hoodwinked. What mm -hmm. I would say is I think that the fact that Mattel knew we're going to make so much money off of selling dolls from this, mm -hmm. I think was the push for them to let her do mostly what she wanted in this. And I think overall, it's a lot messier than I expected it to be. It's a lot less, it doesn't give you the easy out at the end of, oh, everything's perfect. And I think that overall, I think there are ways this movie would probably be a little more complicated and a little more nuanced and a little messier in certain ways if, it was not with Mattel, but I also think that I think Greta Gerwig is an exceptionally smart woman, but I also think she knows what her cachet is like in the film community and like how to build that. And I don't think she would have done this if it wasn't the film she wanted to put out. And so I did not feel watching this either time that this was just some corporate advertising scheme. That said, I did already buy the I Am Knuff sweatshirt. So <laughs> I heard they're already sold out. I heard they're already somehow sold out, even though they're in presale. People were saying that, and then I looked at the link, and it still says they're all available. So I think that was just TikTok not knowing what they were oh, talking okay. about. Oh, our friend Adam uh, tried to buy it too, and he couldn't. He said he said that it was sold out to him, so he might just need to look in a different place. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I I'm I'm kind of with you on that, and that like I mean, if you like you know, I. I, I, I get it. If you're going to watch a movie about a brand, I guess you can have that in the back of your mind, but I think you got to like, you know, just let it go and appreciate it for what it is on its own terms. And it's cool that she had all these aims to do different things. And yeah, I mean, Mattel's involved, but like, you know, they, they're aware of that. They mention it and they still go for everything she wanted to do. And I, I'm, I'm curious to hear what Kayla thought maybe in areas where it might've missed the mark. I still, I still really loved it too. Even if I actually do have a few criticisms. I actually came out of this movie, like, loving Mattel for having the guts to make this movie. Wow, you're and just a corporate laugh. shill, aren't you? Corporate shill now. Huh? I am. No, <laughs> absolutely not. But no, I mean, like, for a company with this, you know, extreme of an IP um, to laugh at themselves, to be in a movie that's making very, very important and risky and needed conversations about what it's like to be a woman in society that's you know <laughs> what it's like to exist within a patriarchy as a human not only just a woman but as a person uh and to just ex to allow Greta Gerwig to make this film I think is really ballsy of them and you don't see that from a lot of companies um you know a lot of companies are very litigious very protective um but they really took a risk with this so I, I left being like good for you Mattel yeah, I might I mean, even go buy a doll because I'm proud of you. <laughs> Which maybe the bar is too low. Shit. They, like they, it's they, obviously they, they, too they got you right where they got you right where they want you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I am I am proud of them for doing the bare minimum, which is allowing a director to do, you know, what she should do. And yeah, they make com artistic choices. Yeah, they comment on it a lot, which is fine. Like I think 
you know, every like I again, I keep hearing people cynically say like, oh, well, like, yeah, Mattel, like they had they had involvement. So what is it? What how do you feel about the fact that like they wouldn't have let it be in the movie if they didn't feel comfortable with it? But like you said, maybe they're just like, hey, if we got these all these people involved because they want to do it their way, let's just take all the financial reward that comes with it. Who cares that they make some jokes at our expense? Like, you know, the board being all men or whatever, or uh them like, you know, at one at one point or another, like, you know, selling these like, you know, uh casa moho do, moho doho casa house things that you know yeah. have their own problematic uh have their own problematic connotations and they're like we'll, we'll let them riff on us however they want and we'll we'll, we'll get them to a certain point and I, I i was even though i i was totally fine with that and i think that the movie you know addressed all that because i mean it, that goes hand in hand too with like what we didn't even really touch on yet is like hey like yeah we can have all fun with this movie but like the movie was smart enough to like also acknowledge the fact like hey there might be some like somewhat problematic stuff about Barbie herself and what the doll symbolizes. And they, and they don't really shy away from that. And uh, you know, I think there's plenty to talk about with how they actually address it, but it's like, Hey, they didn't like, they, they didn't really try and run from that. And like that, that, that more than anything might be where like you could see Mattel feeling a little uneasy because it kind of calls into question a lot of what they did in marketing this product for a long time. Even if from my understanding, like they've gotten a lot more uh, diverse with like the, with the Barbie brand in, in, in past years, they, they still let them revisit that question and address it for the sake of the movie. Uh, John, wh- how did you come out of this thinking? Like they, they actually handled what they had to have known going in was going to be something that was going to be on the audience's mind with respect to like how closely this is going to be associated with the, with a brand. So I will just say one thing I was thinking about is the fact that this movie has been in production in some form for 14 years. Yep. It was first announced in 09. And so I also wonder if there's a little bit of this, which is just that they've been trying to develop this for a while. It reached a point where like rights transferred like from Universal to Warner Brothers. Like there've been a lot of steps on this. And so I also wonder if they made a choice that was all press is good press, we'd rather like get the publicity and get it out there because I think part of the contradiction of this movie that's fascinating is the fact that you have quote unquote stereotypical Barbie as the lead of this movie and you have stereotypical Ken and you can make the quote unquote like Barbie multiverse as diverse as you want, but this is still what every person in America thinks of when they think of a Barbie. And so it's playing with that inherent contradiction. And I think it's very interesting and impressive of Mattel to kind of embrace that middle ground between what is, what do we want this to be versus what is it and what does it mean? And I feel like, like I would just say flat out, I also knew almost nothing about this movie when I walked in. I had seen the first trailer. I knew they left. I was surprised about eight different times about where it went. I did Mm. not expect the places it went. I didn't expect the ways it came back. I didn't see, maybe I just missed it, but there were a lot of things that didn't go the way I thought they would. And so I think it's very interesting to see a company that I will bet you money if we had another round of like Sony leaks, they probably interfered with this less than you'd think because I think they were just so aware of like, this is our one like cash grab. Like this is our one chance to do this. Like let's, let's do it as well as we can. And frankly, it opens up, it makes them an attractive partner for like other artists. Like I would say if I'm a director and I want to do something, the fact that they let me like Greta Gerwig do this says that maybe I won't get like, if I'm Taika Waititi or someone like that and I'm staring at the Marvel like machine, this might be a place where if there's something I'm interested in, they might let me do what I want. That comes where some, I, I have heard that I just read an interview with her before we did the podcast. She said there were a lot of notes, but like there wasn't anything that like she really got overruled on that she felt especially strongly about or anything like that, which I think it does speak to like them probably taking the right approach to empowering the creator. Uh, I think there was there, 
there was one scene that they had to show them on set and we've now learned what that scene is. And I do think we should talk about that. It's fascinating. Yeah. So I I don't know if you saw that, Kayla, but apparently like they, they wanted her to cut the scene at the bus stop and uh, yeah. And she actually stood her ground on there and she got it in there. And I think they they felt very strongly about that because, you know, I think it's it's interesting that it happens. I, I think I'd heard something about a conversation with an old woman before. That was like one of the things I found out before I saw the movie. I didn't know anything else. And I was expecting it to happen like later in the movie. And it was interesting it happened at that point, but it's when Barbie is first really letting a lot of the stuff about the real world hit her. She's taken some time to reflect, whereas her and Ken got into some high drinks as soon as they got there. And she has this conversation with this old woman at this bus stop, and is she's taking in humanity and says, oh, you're beautiful. And the woman turns around and says, oh, I, I know I am. And it's like Barbie kind of coming to like an early realization before she really has her existential crisis that like, hey, there's some, I guess... I don't even say imperfections like the woman is just like, you know, she's advanced in age, but like she there's different kinds of beauty, whereas she has been taught that like, you know, hey, there's maybe her. I mean, even though she gets along with these other different kind of looking Barbies, she thinks she she really is aspires to like stay the one way she looks throughout. And, you know, a lot of her issues start to come up when she doesn't have flat feet or she has cellulite or anything like that. Kayla, what did what, what did you think about that scene and how they kind of like, you know, uh, how they really were pretty direct early on in the movie and kind of tackling what it meant for a Barbie to have imperfections? Addressing the the bus stop conversation yeah. scene first. Mm-hmm. First, I feel like a, like a horrible film buff mm. for blanking on this woman's name. Oh, you're not. Uh, I, I don't remember the name off the top of my head. Uh. She is like one of the most legendary costume designers in oh, film. Oh, right, 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 right. No, Anne Roth um, is the name. Yeah. Yes, yes. Anne Roth. Um, so I also just found it very touching that she was cast in this film, you know, in that role as just kind of a tip of the hat to her and also all of the women who've quietly built the music industry, you know, mm. throughout the course of the years. Because also just an interesting kind of film fact is a lot of the editors in like the golden era of cinema <laughs> were women. Because uh, it used to just almost be like sewing, right? With like film. Um, yeah, and um, a lot of people don't really- still has uh, Thomas Schumacher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't really think about that, right? Um, but so much of cinema was kind of quietly built around, you know, these women who do very good work, um, but aren't really talked about that much. So I thought like, oh, that's a beautiful tribute, but also just the scene in and of itself, awesome. I did cry. That was the scene that I cried at. I didn't cry as much at the end because it's just sweet and it's just poignant that this like elder woman has kind of, she's reached that point where she kind of believes in herself and her womanhood. And it's hard and long and challenging to get to that point as a woman. But hopefully if we're fortunate enough to live that long, you kind of reach the stasis of like, this is me and I exist and I'm comfortable in that. Um, That's like the, one of the, one of the charming things about you know aging i think is growing into comfort so i feel like greta kind of put a little beautiful like moment of humanity in which is that simple bus stop scene in addition to the tribute to to ann roth as well so that's my two cents on that and so much of what makes that scene fascinating is a lot of the movie revolves around the idea of what are the things we how do we behave innately versus what are the things we are taught and one thing i have it's just fascinating because Margot Robbie's character of stereotypical Barbie has never been taught that she's never seen an aged person before. She's never seen someone who's not a doll. And so she doesn't know that this is something that's not beautiful. She doesn't know that this is the way she should feel about it. And so it's not only like an embrace of something else, but like 
we can talk about the patriarchy and all that stuff, but I think there are a lot of elements of this film that are about not just what are we, who we are as people in the real world, but like the transition from childhood and the realizations you have and when you become those types of things. And I think that happens with Ken a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. I think that happens with Barbie a lot, but the fact that she does not have that in her is fascinating. And to me, the reason I brought up the line also is I was surprised that was the one that Mattel felt strongly enough to like come out to set and be like, convince us. It seems like it was more of just like a space thing, but there were other things I thought they might've gotten more pissy about. And so it was fascinating that that was the one that like has been used in interviews. Yeah. Cause it's, it's a small moment. So it's like, it's weird that they thought that that was that, uh, that was anything they needed to make us think about. But I mean, I'm glad she stood her ground. We haven't necessarily got too far into like these actual uh, characters themselves. I mean, like we, I, I, we have not mentioned the name Ryan Gosling yet, really. Um, and, and Margot himself. And I mean, I think the movie obviously rests on you, like enjoying those two as performers and like, just, I mean, I think she's really great in that one scene we just mentioned, but like, I think I went into it, like kind of knowing that it was going to be like a goofy performance from Gosling and he was as fun as I expected him to be. But like they asked Margot to do like so much more than I even braced myself for. Like, I guess I probably knew there was going to be some serious emotional moments. I guess I could have guessed that, but like it, she really is like asked to do everything. Like she, she, she had a pretty great scene with like tears in, um, in Babylon, but uh, I didn't, I, I don't think I necessarily expected it to get to her to get to flex that muscle here, but is obviously getting to like have a blast throughout. Uh, what did you think of the idea of just like having a stereotypical Barbie, uh, Kayla? And, but like, obviously having there be like so much more than what was on the surface with her. And how do you think she brought that, that character to life? Uh, watching Mar- Margot Robbie was like a treat. Um, she's got some serious acting chops. I feel like everyone mm-hmm. knows that or at least should. And maybe they do now. And there was something just so fresh about her performance because she was able to both, have this wonderful physicality to how she acted, you know, even with her posture and posing that made her feel really doll like. And obviously she is stunning and she does have like a Barbie-esque face. So that also helps. But the press tour is the press tour came to a premature end, but she was uh, it it was fun watching her on it. Yeah. Yeah. And all of the outfit tributes as Mm -hmm. well. But the balance she had between, you know, being very childlike and innocent in this doll type of way to being very like tragic and sad. I think like one of my favorite moments in the film, weirdly, it was when she runs up to who she thought was the child that was playing with her at high school, cafeteria, mm-hmm. all chipper and like, hi, I'm Barbie. Don't you want to give me a hug and tell me how great I am? And these like tweens rip her to shreds and bully her and make her cry. But she's like, oh, like, okay thank you goodbye like you could just tell that she's like absolutely crushed you know and it's it's comical but it's sad like your heart breaks for her but it's kind of funny and she really was just asked to kind of run the gamut emotionally and she she delivered but i also i mean we'll circle back to this uh ryan gosling amazing performance very funny but a lot of surprising depth to that but i think a lot of people might overlook but that's just my hot take we'll circle back to that later yeah, no, I, he, he uh, yeah, it's, it, there's a lot going on with uh, what he's doing too, for sure. I, I, I think I just like, 
it, they 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 bury it more in the back half of the movie, I would say, and I think they shortchange him in the second act, which I want to discuss a little bit more. But um, as far as Margaret, I'm glad you you zeroed in on that scene because like I, th I thought she was great in that. Like she has to like yeah, she ends up crying a little bit afterward, but like she holds it together for a moment before she kind of runs away from them. But like you can see her face really cracking there, and it is it, it is really impressive. But like at the um. Also, like, but even before then, though, she you ha she has to do some impressive stuff when she starts noticing stuff going wrong in Barbie world. Like, she is so bright and perky at the beginning of the movie, and she like slowly starts to have this break. And she ha she has these moments where uh, she kind of knows something's wrong, but she's trying to put on a good face for the other Barbies, and you can still tell she's really concerned. And she's like also really impressive in that moment that's a separate note from what she has to play with the, the young people from when she has to have her psychotic break later or existential break later whatever you want to call it um and from again what she's doing in that uh first opening 15 minutes which is just like fun 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 with uh Barbara robbie i would just say the yeah. performance this reminded me of most was actually once upon a time in hollywood mm -hmm. where like so much of what she's doing in this movie depends on not what she's doing but who she is she has to embody this in every piece of it. You have to have the face, the emotion. Like there's a way you just have to live the role that is incredibly old school movie star. Um, I can only think of one other actress I could even think that would be good for this role. I think it's, there's so much built up in it. And I think when she does those really subtle things or those breaks, I think so much of that depends on who she's already built up in your mind to be from the jump, because it's not a, long intro you spend in barbie land before they go it's 20 minutes it's not that long that you spend yeah. there there's a lot of pieces and then you're kind of out of it and so you have to set up the trope of who she is a stereotypical barbie and then have the crisis from it and i think the way she creates that playing field so effortlessly that then goes into it it's a lot of like in once upon a time in hollywood so much of that movie rests on like oh it's so sad that sharon tate died wouldn't it be nice if that didn't happen spoilers for once upon a time in hollywood but there's so much of it just like on her face. There are so many scenes like that. I feel like this movie so much dependent on just like all the little things, how much she's able to do in the close up on the big screen in a way that like was a real movie star performance. Yeah, there was a bit of controversy when once, once upon when Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out about like they couldn't give her enough lines because she actually doesn't have a ton of lines in the movie, but everyone agreed that she was great. And that you like actually felt like you did get to know her just by watching her do the things you watch her do in the movie, even if she doesn't say much. Like, um, obviously, that was never going to be the case here. She's going to say plenty of stuff. But I think it's I'm glad you guys honed in on the fact that, like, even in the moments where she's not talking in here, she is like doing a great job every time she is asked to react to any to anything at all, really. Um, who, who, like, just curious, quick aside, like, who is the other actress you had in mind? Oh, I think that the other person who could do this is Emma Stone. Oh, I, I, was, um, I was wondering if you were going to say Charlize. I don't think that, I think Charlize is too hard-edged for this. Mm, I, like, Emma Stone, you put her in a blonde wig. She has that kind of, like, charisma. She, she has the cheeks. She has, <laughs> like, I don't know about the, I frankly, I, I'm a gay man. I have not spent that much time thinking about her body, but I'm sure she could, like, <laughs> look look enough of it. You put her in the right outfit. But she, I think she has that effortless, effortless charm. Like, almost what makes her so good in La La Land is, like, just, like, the effervescence, like, the, not naivete, but, like, the joy. And I feel like this character, you need that, but also have that range. And like the difference is, frankly, I think what Margot Robbie's doing is a lot harder than what uh, Ryan Gosling's doing in this movie, to be completely oh, honest. For, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. I mean, Gosling excels at what he wants to, what he is there to do. And he yeah. really, truly does, but she has to do a lot more. Had, was it was any other, had you even given any thought to like who else could have done what Margot did? Kayla, just curious. Um, honestly, no. In yeah, my it, mind, it speaks to how great she was if you hadn't even considered She it. is 
like Barbie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Emma Stone is a good choice. Um, maybe. She doesn't look good as a blonde. So that's the only issue is like, I, I don't like, think she's great as a blonde. And but... I feel like people like know her as like the redhead in Hollywood, like one mm-hmm. of the redheads in Hollywood, but maybe Jennifer Lawrence. But now there's all this like, you know, J-Law stuff with her branding that I don't know, Margot Robbie just seems like a good fit. No, yeah, um, no, it, it 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 speaks to how well she nailed the part. That like it's not even necessarily worth talking about that much. I just thought about it when John made the comment no, about like it's interesting. One, one, one other person who like uh, maybe could have done it, but like yeah, no, I I I, I feel you guys on that. Um, uh, I but, but before we actually get to Ken and Gosling, I I want I want to back up for a second and just talk about the story a little bit because I think my, my thoughts on him tie into where the story goes even more. Again, go, going into it, I think we. I mean, even though if we didn't really know exactly what the plot was going to be, you obviously knew that uh, Greta was going to have some, you know, Greta was going to, you know, convey something about like, you know, uh, gender norms and whatnot, given what the subject matter is. Uh, How did you feel, Kayla? It kind of got into it and where the story went as far as as far as what John said earlier, like it had like some surprising things like you think it's going to be about this girl. And when she shows up at this high school and they eviscerate her and there's some value in that. And then they address that side of the Barbie thing. But like it takes its turn with the mom, too um and actually that's what made me cry i cried at the mom stuff so being more about them too like what did did you think about the story and how they they kind of steered it there and the mom's not exactly having the same issues you might have thought a high school girl would have but then we kind of like bring it back to like uh something you know you know dealing with a bit of a gender war on the back end like what what did you think about the choices greta and noah made with how they were going to like actually tell this story uh, just from a a plot and story perspective purely so that's a, that's a very loaded question and there's just like so many things that i could talk about because mm-hmm. this movie is so layered yeah what what, what, um, what what strikes you most about it i know i gave you a broad question there yeah i think for me it was the the balance between humor and you know very serious you know, discussions about womanhood and also boyhood and what that transition is like into adulthood, mm-hmm. you know, because I think in a lot of ways, and maybe this is one of the many points the movie is trying to make is when you grow up as a kid, you're just kind of running around having fun and you're not that aware of gender dynamics, but then as you grow up, you kind of figure it out. Um, so I think in watching this film, I was kind of thinking back to my childhood like oh yeah like when did I first kind of learn that like you know women have to deal with this extra stuff or like did any of my little guy buddies kind of change as I grew up a little bit and became less nice sometimes yeah so that's like an element of this film that I think was really interesting and at times it was humorous but then also it would always kind of come and really just kind of pull punches. I mean, we can get into the monologue scene later, mm-hmm. um, but there was moments throughout where, you know, there was no hiding behind subtext. They would just say, oh, you know, like patriarchy or, you know, just we don't have any CEOs. There was two whole women CEOs here in like our company's history, two, which is a joke, but like, you know, there's making, a, she's making a broader point, obviously. Um I feel like I lost the thread of your question because no, I was no, kind no, of it's fine. No, 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 no. With with the topic, but I will say this too, um, and something that I keep thinking about is I also feel like there is this meta thing going on because Greta is a female director. Um, I believe she's only the second female director to ever be nominated for best director. Could be wrong. She might be three. Yeah, but, no, I mean, at, at the time, she would have been like Sophia Coppola and Catherine Bigelow would have been. But like at the, at the time when she got nominated three. for Lady Bird, there had not been too many. Yeah. 
yeah. Um, so there's like some meta stuff going on too. What it's like to exist, you know, as a, a woman in Hollywood in a position of power as well. And honestly, the more I think about this film, and I'm sure on my second viewing, I'm going to have even more questions and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to hear, you know, what John has to say as well. Yeah, I I will say when I came into this movie, I had I had seen the trailer where it was like, I've forgotten the existential thoughts of death part of that. I just I remember the I remember the Ken being like, where do I fit? I only exist in Barbie's shadow. And I saw them leaving. And I thought, oh, this will be about they'll go out in the real world. They'll find their purpose. They'll bring the lessons back, blah, blah, blah. And I just felt like there were several places along the way that it took what you thought it was going to do and twisted a little bit and like took a little bit away from what you thought, like the, the, the switch from it being the daughter to the mom. Brilliant. Truly brilliant stuff in terms of like the people who actually played with Barbies, the people who are most sentimentally attached to them, the people who would, the, the, the fact that you, I only saw the second viewing um, America Ferrer's character is also the one who made weird Barbie. Like they mm-hmm. flat out, like show that, like if you watch it's the same like girl as in the flashbacks, but there are all these pieces that build up over time. Um, I just want to say Ken going to city center to a bro, like I'm sure all gay men gym and being like, this is the pinnacle of masculinity was mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, there's some city center LA stuff that I don't know LA well enough, but there was clearly a lot of jokes. Cent- well, Century city, which is funny. Cause when I was in LA a month ago, I stayed with a friend that lives in century city. And like, I, I like, it was just wild. I was not expecting to like see places that I was just like hanging out exclusively for like, seven days like a month ago but it's so they got a lot of jokes off of it there Um, but but it's so interesting because then i thought it would be like oh ken's so sad and then he like kind of escapes back and like completely overthrows everything while you're not even there and so just all the ways over the course of it that it's able to undermine and poke and twist at what you think is going to happen I will say flat out, I did not, once it started with the 2001 Space Odyssey reference and then it ended as basically the good place, I was just like, not what I expected, but fascinating. But it's, she's so on top of her game and in command of everything she's doing, Gerwig is, that she knows what you think is going to happen. She knows, I think, what your references are, what your tropes are, and she's able to pull it away just enough that it changes where you think it's going to go. And so like the daughter's, like I'll give a perfect example in a different movie, the daughter would be a much larger character. I think mm-hmm. she would, it would be, oh, mother and daughter, and oh, you're having all these problems. Here's what my Barbie talked about. No, America Ferrer's character is by far the secondary lead of this movie. And the daughter is there, and she comes in really important points. Like one of the moments that made me cry is when they're in the car, and the daughter tells uh, uh, Gloria, America Ferrer's character, about how her drawings are weird and interesting and twisty. And it's like one of those things where, like, She's admitting she sees her mom for who she is as a person, not as her mom. And there's just all those little pieces where it's it's built in, but it's not bringing it back. It's it's smart about how it does it. And I'm sure there are places she wanted to be, like she might've wanted to do slightly different things or make it bigger or whatever, but it's a pretty tight movie, all things considered. And so I have I do agree with some people who have said that, that out in the real world section lags a bit. It also lags just because it's so drab. And that's part of the cinematography is like, it's supposed to be drab. So you're also just kind of like, I've been in Barbie land and now it's all gray. But I do think it's fascinating all the way she plays with it. I do think some of them work better than others, but I do think overall she's managed to make a, a energy and joke density of like 30 rock with like, it's basically a good place, but with like Barbie land instead of, instead of like the other side of it, but same plot, same idea of being human. Like it's fascinating, but she did that. That took, 
there were seasons of that to build up those relationships and she did it in two hours. I, I really appreciate where you, where you took that question. Cause I agree. Like I like what she did with the mom. And I think it's interesting. Like she comes to realize like, Hey, things aren't perfect back where I came from, but like, I can just like kind of fix things back in the real world, but like getting into the real world, like she understands it's like things, are, things are even more messed up there, but it helps like give her more knowledge to like uh, take back where she's from. I think that's like an ingenious, like smart way that she handled it and doing it through the America Ferrera character is like very smart. My thing with the middle half of the movie was like, yeah, it does. It, I think you're right. It's inevitably going to feel a little drab when you just compare it visually to, to, to Barbie world. But I wanted, so I actually don't think you need any of the Mattel scenes. Uh, which is, which is, I think, I think Will Ferrell, like, you know, obviously done a lot of great things in his career. I don't think he adds very much to this movie. I don't think, I think you could literally take away every scene there and the movie doesn't lose a thing. And I wanted more with Ken in that, in that corner of the movie. I think they wanted a bit of a surprise element when they came back to Barbie world to see like, what he had turned it into when Barbie gets back there. But, and so maybe that's why they didn't want to spend more time doing it, but like, he's so funny in that role. And I think they left, like, might've actually left a little bit of meat on the bone with him, like coming to like, you know, decide he's going to be the guy he's going to be up until like good prevails at the end or whatever. Like, yeah, he has some funny things where he checks out some books from the library, but like, I almost could have had a couple other scenes with him, like maybe even just conversing with real world problematic dudes or something and taking the wrong lessons from them. I think there could have been a little more that they did there that would have made that corner of the movie even more fun than it was where you just really just had a couple montages with them. And that was kind of like my one criticism there is I didn't think they like, they got enough out of the scenes in Mattel headquarters to like really make it worth the time they spent there. But I, I guess I kind of get how they wanted to like have the America be a part of like where the America for our character, like came into the movie a little more, but I don't really think you needed that when like Margot Robbie already goes to the, the school and what's a very good scene. And that's her daughter. So I think you needed the Mattel scenes for two reasons. I think okay. one, if they weren't there, I think everyone would have complained about it. I think it is a self-aware ability to acknowledge the corporate nature of it while also undermining it in a right. way that I think people would have been annoyed by. I think the other reason is I, we don't need to get to it yet, but I think the last line in the movie works as well as it does, because I think you like when I first saw it, I thought she was going to work at Mattel and she was mm -hmm. going to be like as a real world person able to bring all the stuff and bring that stuff. And instead it completely like cuts that through. And so I do think there is a like part of what this movie does so fascinatingly is that nothing changes. You go back right where you were and you try and make it a little better, but they don't Greta Gerwig does not claim to solve any problems in this movie at the end. You go back basically to where you started with a little more self-awareness and a little more humility and compassion, but it is ultimately that circle. And so I do think it's there. I think you have to have some sort of person chasing them something. I do think that I wish it weren't Will Ferrell because I think Will Ferrell was taking it at like a 13. And I think you could have been like a nine without it being like, I don't know SNL people enough at this point, but like, I feel like there are other people who could have done it a little bit further down, but like the whole joke of the movie is everyone's a man in the boardroom and they're still men. There are a lot of different actors that probably could have like taken on that role and done something different with it. Again, I just didn't know if Will Ferrell really like brought too much. I didn't laugh as much as I would hope to. And you're going to have Will Ferrell like in a Greta Gerwig movie. Uh, that's, that seemed like a better, uh, seemed like a more interesting combination on paper than it actually was in practice for me. I, I didn't get a chance to really ask you that much yet. Uh, the other thing I'd say is I, and I, and I, and I, and I do see what you're saying, John, how like, you know, it, I, I don't know if people would have complained if there wasn't Mattel there, but like, I do think it allows them to like, you know, uh, you know, comment on it in the way they wanted to. And as we already discussed earlier, I think they did a good job of like, you know, uh, 
referencing Mattel in ways that like were effective for what they ultimately wanted to do for the movie. Uh, as I said, I had a, I had a couple issues with Ken in that section though. I just I just freaking love the performance, and we didn't talk to you too much about it yet. Uh, about, about Kayla, so I wanted to give you a chance to uh, speak on Ryan Gosling a little bit because like I mean, man, he really really attacked this role. It's funny I've uh, when they when the first trailer dropped, there were some fans that were um, were a little like concerned. They didn't know if he had the look right. Uh, they thought maybe he looked too old for Ken. The, the blonde hair is a little funny given the way people typically think about how Ken looks. It was a choice that they really didn't even comment on, which is fine. Now I have trouble envisioning anyone else in the role because it seemed like he got the Kennergy quite right. Uh, how did how did how did he fit into that role for what you want to have from a Ken? For me, as somebody who did not play with Barbies and mm. as a lesbian, <laughs> so I'm already a little bit removed, and that's something we can talk about a little bit. I definitely walked away with like a little bit different perspective than you know my my cis straight female friends but ken ryan gosling as ken i found to encapsulate perfect himbo energy for for lack of a better term so just well-meaning charming but not really there not too much thought process going on up top but it was interesting too because there's a lot of messaging with ken that i think people may not process right away until they think about it but aside from being very funny very charming having a lot of funny one-liners like i just beach and stuff like that um ryan sold it but there's this emotional component yeah that as well there's this emotional component component too where you get the sense that this this man doll this beachy man doll is really hurting actually he feels very unseen and he really wants acceptance and he also feels a little betrayed because when he goes to the real world and finds out, hey, men are in charge. Why did nobody tell me? I think there's a little bit of anger there as well. And, you know, I'm obviously not a guy, but I'd be interested in hear like, what is it like growing up as a young man in, you know, trying to balance like your love of your mom and other female figures and then kind of getting thrown out into like the wilderness with like toxic masculinity and things. Um, Cause there is this like, you know, moment where Ken cries and accepts that he's crying and it's kind of sweet and funny. So I just, I don't know, obviously Ro- uh, Margot Robbie did the heavy lifting with the acting here, but Ryan's comedic performance and just how he chose to portray Ken as this like funny, haha, sweet, almost surfer childlike guy was magical. I don't think anybody else could have pulled it off. But there's also this gravitas to Ken too that I think is worth exploring. It's interesting because the interesting thing about Ryan Gosling's Ken is the fact that on one hand he is very real, has a very real emotions of hurting about the fact that he only exists in Barbie's shadow, doesn't have an identity. And instead of developing a personality himself, he decides to overthrow the government. And so like, there's just this fascinating aspect of entitlement. Like one of the things that I've remarked a lot is the fact that he never apologizes to Margot Robbie's character at the end. Like there's no actual admission of responsibility there. Mm. Um, one thing I've seen, you know, it's, been, it's been fascinating to think through the things that have trended on TikTok from this, but the one I will mention is how many women I've seen TikToks from talking about how the Ken arc reflects what they see a lot with their brothers and with their childhood friends, where you have these young boys who are very sweet and very kind. And then one day they learn that they are objects to be like sexually like objectified. And that whole changes in the way that like the toxic masculine culture pulls people away from that kind of sweet core, because it is 
so fascinating that like, like Greta Gerwig is doing something very knowing in making him actually like the central character in a lot of ways. Like, yes, we follow Margot Robbie the entire way. Ryan Gosling has the song. Ryan Gosling has the entire comedic structure of the entire like third act. Like there is a lot of this that while Margot Robbie is the like son, Ryan Gosling is like Jupiter, like throwing off moons all the time. Like he's just doing crazy things all the time. And it like pulls gravity away. And that's something that men in our society get to do that women don't. And so it's fascinating the way that like even Margot Robbie's, like Sarah Jubal Barbie's own story is more about Ken than it is about Barbie in a lot of ways. As far as like um, the effect that it might have on guys and like personal experience with that, I feel like I might come like that from like a slightly different perspective in that you, the the people, the, the other guys I know from like growing up, the, the extent to which they developed as people almost a term is almost determined by how far away they went for college. Uh, cause I'm, cause I'm from, I'm from the panhandle of Florida, uh, which is, you know, people from the panhandle of Florida have a very particular viewpoint on the world more often than not, especially, you know, young men, I would say. So if anyone like, you know, went more than two hours away for college to like a, a, a real college, a real diverse college campus, I think they actually like grew in a, in a good way as people. It didn't like they, the world didn't turn them into something more problematic because they, they had, they had a different starting point. Uh, but like, I think it's, so I, I, I have like a unique perspective on that based on like how I see people develop, but though I see if they, if they stay in that bubble, like it just, it gets worse because they're just influenced by the people in that part of the state. Uh, not too many people from home listen to this episode, I guess, and get mad at me, uh, but for, for, for saying that, but it, it, it just is what it is. So, but at the same time, like, I think, like so you I, I i do see like you know some people like not having the not not developing in the best way with how they see the world if they just continue to live in that bubble and i think you know in some ways ken is kind of in a bubble in this even if he does leave the bubble and come back and you see him go on that journey and it was something i was surprised by just the marketing for the movie the way people talk about ryan gosling on the press tour uh and i just assumed it was going to be that kind of ken everyone loves how he turned into ken and he is basically performing as ken in a lot of his interviews and i was just like oh this is just going to be the guy and we're going to be on this journey with barbie and we're going to see barbie grow as a person and so that was just another way in which like the movie really surprised me while i would have wanted again like i would have wanted a little more from him in the second act it was uh, really fun to watch him go on that journey. I think it is interesting with Ryan Gosling. Just I completely forgot what I was going to say. Just move oh, on. Well, <laughs> I uh, completely it, lost it, it. It, 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 it. You can feel free to interrupt me again if you get yeah, it. But like, go for I, it. Yeah. I, because I, 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 I was almost done with my point. But uh, basically, just like I think it, it, it was cool that he handled everything they asked of him. And I think when yeah, I was a little caught off guard when it went there in the final act. But I respected that they took that much of a left turn and, you know, and decided to go on that, uh, on that journey with the Kens back there. And I mean, it, it also does kind of tie back into like where she did bring America Ferrera and the daughter back. I'm kind of, I, I should, I should have their names and I don't have their names right, right in front of me. Gloria and I don't forget. Uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Gloria and Sasha. Uh, Sasha. Yeah. So like when she brings them back there and she thinks she's bringing them back to like a utopia and she thinks that's just what they need to kind of like solve all the problems, not knowing like uh, where, where things have gone. It's, it, it is kind of, uh, it, it, I think it's a smart way to kind of like tie everything back together. Uh, everything that they've been trying to do in that second act. I think it's a pretty smart, efficient way that they, that they tie things back together. I'm curious. Um, one of my, I, I, I'm curious, because I, I want to get to that last act. Uh, so in, I remember what I was going to say about Ken. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, so the thing that I was thinking about with Ken is the fact that I was thinking about, so stereotypical Barbie in this movie is actually a very different protagonist than either Joe or, oh God, I'm forgetting, Lady, like Lady Bird. 
Ladybird in terms of like, it's a very different female type. But what I was thinking is actually Ken in this movie reminds me a lot of the way that Greta Gerwig handles Amy and Little Women, where mm-hmm. you have these characters that are actually on the surface, very unlikable. And she has this really compassionate way she thinks about these characters and is able to render them and is able to understand them in a way that even if on paper, there is a lot of like bad things they do or hurt they cause, it's the empathy she holds them in and the way she's like able to fully see them as a character. Nothing Ken does is out of step. The end point for Ken is like, go figure out, like go on a like, meditation retreat go figure out what you want but like i am i don't love you and that's fine but there is an aspect of the way the reason the ryan gosling performance works so well is that he is the villain of the movie like flat out but he is not treated that way it is not understood that way he is not shot that way it is very empathetic and it is something that i think fully understands all of his all of his flaws all of his weaknesses all of his emotions like the, like the campfire scene like yeah exactly yeah. like it understands that character so well that it's able to not vilify him but able to fully like take apart him and understand what are the pieces of him what makes him the way he is where does this go and like like i when there's literally a line where he's like i got tired of patriarchy when i realized it wasn't horses and i'm like i genuinely believe that this ken feels that way where he was just like this was just like this was like falling out of YouTube rabbit hole. He went to the library. He saw a book called Patriarchy. He was like, this is my solution. Like you can imagine all these things where you have these, like think about puberty and you have these big emotions and you don't know where to put them. And like, you don't have the full like intellectual to understand them. It's a lot of that where you almost feel like he he reminds me like a 13 year old boy in a lot of ways, but it's not set up that way. It's never about he's evil. He's got a bad heart. It really understands them. And even at the end, it doesn't, take away from Margot Robbie's journey, doesn't take away from the like America Ferrera's journey, but where he ends up is very true to that character and kind of unsatisfying, I would say in a lot of ways for the audience, but that's okay. That's kind of where that character should be. I think, I think it's an astute point you make in that like I, uh, she, it doesn't seem like it's like judging the character. It's not asking you to hate him. It does just feel like the logical endpoint of where everything he's gone through might end up. And it's like, all right, now we're going to solve that problem. And that's what the bar was, and that, and it makes sense that like you know the Barbie set out to do that. Kayla, I want I want to I want to jump into that last act though and ask you, uh, what what did you think about that? Because one thing I'll I'll posit to you is that I I enjoyed it and I had a ton of fun with everything in the last act, but like I think a lot of it actually hinges on the speech that America Ferrara gives and where she like kind of lays out the thesis for a lot of the movie. And I thought maybe that might have been like one point where I didn't love the script and I thought it might have like spelled out the spelled out the mission statement a little too much in a way where like the rest of the movie is doing such a good job of showing and it's like we're just going to tell it right here i'm curious uh what did you think of the final act and how that was kind of like a, a setup in like a, a skeleton key to kind of get you everywhere else yeah i mean it's it's super interesting you said that um because i feel the same way which is mm-hmm. apparently like kind of a controversial way to to feel mm-hmm. obviously i agree with the entirety of the monologue that's yeah, of course. pretty much exactly how it feels to exist as a woman today but at the same time it kind of took me out of the moment a little bit you know and before they were able to kind of balance like hard-hitting truth a little bit of levity hard-hitting truth a little bit of levity and i think in that moment while it was beautiful it kind of the film kind of started thinking about itself a little bit too much it just, I felt like it over explained a little bit or I don't know, but 
did it make a lot of people cry? Yes. Did it make me cry? No. It kind of just made me feel sad. <laughs> like, it was like, oh, yeah, like, that does kind of suck. I, yeah. Um, you know, and like, I think. Can I defend the monologue? Yeah, yeah, defend it. Defend it. I, I am a supporter of it. It just, it took me out of a little bit because it bummed me out, man. You know? so what I will say is the first time I watched it, I, I agreed with you. Mm -hmm. And so the two things I came upon the second time watching it that I thought about, one of which is that, tell everyone on this, but this is my memory. America, uh, Gloria and Sasha, Barbie has already fallen apart, fallen down. They have driven out with Alan, seen the hilarious, they can't make a wall sideways, mm -hmm. turn around and come back. And this is coming into weird Barbies where it's like, it feels like this is... The reason I think the monologue works is it doesn't feel like it is a Barbie or something, or even the daughter. It feels like you can feel all of the weight. It's like, we haven't talked about Mary Ferrer enough. Ugly Betty Stan, fucking love her. She's incredible. And so I didn't know she was in this movie when I first saw it. I had no mm -hmm. idea. I had avoided, I avoid everything I can possibly know. And so I had seen the little bit of trailer. I, I actually didn't even recognize her when she's first at the desk. It like took me a little while. I was like, oh, wait. Um, but you can feel this kind of like all these things she's had inside of her coming out. And I think the reason it works is that it's, it's not that long, the initial monologue and it works to snap the first Barbie out. And then you get in the same way that, that like third act has all these incredible Ken sequences, which we can talk about all the jokes about the Photoshop joke about the, you have to select a layer. You have all yeah. these jokes about like all these mansplaining jokes built in with like the quips that America for is giving to the women in the car like get funnier and funnier where like they get mm -hmm. more like out of pocket. And so it doesn't feel like it's repeating itself. It feels like it gave like Greta Gerwig her chance to like make her big speech, but like I haven't watched Little Women in a while, but I feel like the ending is the whole thing. But I remember like both in Little Lady Bird and Little Women, there were kind of these like speeches about like, I want what's for my life and like all these kind of things. And I think Greta Gerwig always has that in her. And I think the difference here is that it's a little on the nose in terms of like what we could, call white feminism but I also think that like that is who Greta Gerwig is and I think it's very true to who which she cares about mm -hmm. and I think at a certain point one of the benefits of this movie is I don't think it tries to be something I think it doesn't try to be something it's not it tries to be something fully within her experience it uses this as a really good like twilight zone kind of reversal of roles to understand that but I think fundamentally that speech and that kind of sequence works because the only way you fall under the spell of these Kens is if you don't realize the way that like they have warped your entire identity and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it's a little bit glib, but I also think in a two hour movie, I think it's hard to like do a whole reprogramming, yeah. deprogramming thing. Less, yeah, and I, so yeah. I kind of see what you're saying. Like, I don't know how else I, I if I'm going to make that criticism, I guess I should also be able to say like, what's a better way to bring these Barbies out of their brainwashing. If that's, if that's a pot point that we want to have. And I think I, I kind of appreciated it, how they repurposed it that way. Even if that's how the, the speech struck me in the moment is what I would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit, out of pocket it's just like it's like they're all standing around and she just like goes on a rant and so i feel it but there, there is a, there, you were right there is a joe moment like that in little woman though i think it might be a little more straight from the book so that might have been why it didn't uh bother me quite as much in the movie if i if i remember correctly because i did read the book right before seeing little woman but no i i, I think you made a good defense of it i, I that, that makes me that, that, you made me respect it uh, respect it a little more even if like i just felt like ah maybe we're maybe we're just getting a little too on the nose and preachy and i think you can have some more subtle subtle ways of conveying this because a lot of those uh i mean i don't know if it's subtle but like they are pretty some of those different jokes with the cans right after that are, are pretty biting in a funny way uh yeah. whereas like i didn't know if this was quite as uh quite as biting it was more just like you know on the on the nose or whatever but like, it's fine i i get i get what john's saying and it, 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 it serves its purpose well if it didn't feel like it was bursting out of her i don't think it would work but i do feel that yeah. like compulsion mm -hmm. kind of um 
for me, like the, it was the back half of the monologue that really struck me emotionally that I resonated with the most where mm-hmm. she's like, if even you, the perfect doll don't feel enough, like what is, and that would just like, Oh, that's right. All the feelings. But how'd you, like, how'd you feel about the fourth wall break? They went to right there when, uh, when Barbie starts like ta- just being miserable and talking about how ugly she is. Did, did you like that when they had Helen, Helen Mirren jump in and say, uh, just so you know, like the filmmakers should realize that Bar- Margot Barbie's not the best messenger for this. It made me laugh. Okay. And it was just like, also just, that was sweet. That was a sweet <laughs> thing that Greta Gerwig decided to put in there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, for me, it was like the, the beginning of the monologue. I was like, oh, I don't know. But by the end I got like, you know, I was sold on it. I just like, it felt like it over explained itself a tiny bit, but I am so, a supporter of the monologue. So, also. so what, what did you think tonally about how they went from that, which is honestly, maybe the, like, uh, maybe the emotional crux of the movie aside mm-hmm. from like Barbie and Ken's last talk possibly, or, or Barbie, I guess, having the conversation with the, with the spirit of, of Ruth. But like, I mean, that is probably like the, 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 like kind of the emotional fulcrum of the movie. How did you think the movie did from going from that to like, they're they're scheming against the Kens and just all the batshit crazy stuff that happens with the Kens amongst themselves. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> um, I just I what I love about this movie and what I think is driving a lot of people to go see it mm-hmm. is it's so original. It's so original. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's a it's an IP we all know. It's Barbie. It doesn't get much bigger than Barbie unless it's like Mickey Mouse. Um, but it just, it feels like this is fresh, this is something new. And I loved that this movie also just felt like a ride, a ride of emotions, but also a ride of visuals. So I liked that we had this raw, depressing scene, monologue, and then bam, we're having great one-liners about like, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League. What else? Explaining the Godfather. Yes. I've Matt also Fox had 20. men sing guitar or play guitar at me, not to me, at me. And as somebody who's a the four hours hard, later thing was hilarious. Did that turn you? <laughs> yeah, but I am also a diehard Matchbox Twenty fan. Oh, like <laughs> I just listened to Push in my car, like <laughs> like literally two weekends ago on a road trip, and I was jamming. And my friends were like, "What the hell is this?" And I felt very seen in that moment by the Kens. And then also the musical numbers with like the snapping. There was just so much they threw into this movie. And it all had a point as well. Like it wasn't just for fun. So I don't know if I'm answering your question about the third act, but no, I just like I mean, it seems so like it, it, little, it all worked. It all, it all worked so for you. Many that's little juicy tidbits and just interesting visual stuff that's going on. But it also had substance, which is just you know surprising to me. It was, very, they, it was very, it was very insightful about the way men interact, you know, and in the ways they and, and just in how they had the Barbies decide to play them. Yeah, um, there is a like a side point that I want to bring up that's like a little bit unrelated to this, but I want to kind of get both of your takes on it. Yeah. I wanted to kind of bring up like Kate McKinnon's weird Barbie. I was going to get also, to that. And also possibly Alan. Well, so that was, a, I was going to go there with you guys because yeah. uh, one thing I talked with, I talked with John a little bit offline about it was that, you know, th- there's been some question about like a lot of how the, the queer community was like very excited for this movie and whether or not they had the they did enough uh with respect to queer representation i was going to ask you guys like did you need it to be more explicit or was like were parts of this movie queer coded enough that like the movie kind of like you know went there in ways that were interesting enough and like i was going to make a separate point about kate mckinnon almost that was just like 
I actually loved her on SNL. Like one of my favorite SNL cast members because over the last like 15 years, but like, mm-hmm. I, I usually don't love her energy in movies. And I actually really, really liked how they utilized her. And so I, I, I am, I, I, that, so that was a separate thing I was going to ask you guys, which goes hand in hand. I don't think you were going too off the path with that third act of the movie. Cause it, um, it, it, it I think it touches on that stuff even more there. Once mm-hmm. you like have Alan being a little more prominent too, they have magic earring Ken, uh, all of that stuff too. I'm and so I, I wasn't sure how much we we're going to talk about it, but I'm glad you brought it up. Is that something you've thought about a little more since your second viewing, John, and like how they kind of utilize those characters and to the extent they wanted to like kind of comment on anything related to the queer community? So I, I will just start that answer just by saying I was looking over the end of this speech and like the reason that I really love Greta Gerwig movies, I think the reason they like annihilate me besides my own mommy issues, which got both Lady Bird and like and <laughs> Little Women just have incredible things. But like both Joe and Lady Bird are characters that, like remind me so much of myself in terms of like the determination, like the stubbornness, like the kind of acerbic. And like there is something fascinating. We'll talk about we can talk about mother relationship, but just like in this movie about the way they try and navigate those different gender roles, stuff like that. And so for me as a gay man, I actually feel like a lot of what Greta Gerwig does relates to me independent of the queer hmm. representation. I think there's a lot of like ways we like, she's talking about like, um, I'm just so tired of watching myself and every single woman tie herself into knots that people will like us. Like, I feel that so in my soul um, in terms of the way that somehow I'm supposed to be out in front, but also not out in front and like all the things that the world wants of contradictions of you. And so for me, I don't, I don't care if movies have queer characters in them. I care that they understand that queer people exist in the world. And I care that if you're going to tell a story authentically, you are not hiding those people and you are not making them the butt of the joke. But I don't feel like every movie has to suddenly have like multiple queer characters. I think one of the in- most incisive things about Barbie that I actually think would completely break down if you actually put any queer characters in is the way it's it's flat out a Twilight Zone plot where you have all the men having the female like characteristics of how they go in society. The women have the male ones and the way what that says about men and women as being different, but also what it says about like allegorically about that. And so like you think about the campfire scene, you have all the Kens fighting with each other to like <laughs> get women. I mean, men do that, but women do that to each other. Like there's so much about it in terms of like how gender dynamics work that are incisive. And I frankly think putting queer people into this would be harder. I will say Alan is very obviously a queer character. That is that is every gay man I've ever met. Uh, and so in terms of like the relationship to women, the fact of not really getting along with the bros, the fact of like, I mean, like I will say I'm a 30 year old gay man. I watch more sports than most people. And I just like straight men of that type, I do not like on paper, I should get along with. It just never worked for me. Like, I just get along with straight women in a better way that I will never get along with straight men, uh, like, in general. Gosh, we get along great. But, like, in general, like, in terms of, like, you pick 100 people, it just doesn't work that way. And so Alan was really fascinating because you have this character that's, like, trying to escape with them to get out of here, like, doesn't really fit anywhere, is the only one because no one's really interested in it. Like, I think there are pieces of it. And I do think that, like, I think if she really tried to make this, like, more trans-inclusive or, like, all that stuff, like, we talked about this at the beginning, but, like, Barbie and Ken are Barbie and Ken, no matter how diverse you make Barbie and Ken. They are what they are. And I think trying to take this and make this some grand statement about it, I think would be incredibly difficult. And like to answer, I will say like the way she handles queer characters in Lady Bird is a great example. We have Lucas Hedges, who's like very, very relatable thing of not making out with a dude at a theater party. Like I've seen that happen at college uh, multiple times where people have come out because they made out with people at parties. So I will just say like, that was incredible. But that was like, it was compassionate, it was understanding, but it wasn't like, 
I have to make an entire new like secondary lead. It was just like part of the what life is like. And so that's what I want. I I want stories that tell those things. There are lovely Andrew uh, Andrew Hay queer movies coming out that I'm very excited about with actors I love. We can talk about those later. But yeah. I don't care. I like my view more is that I want this movie to do what it does well. And like we talked about this a little bit offline, but I feel like Barbie Land is fascinating because. I feel like the way it talks about and the way it approaches womanhood and like gender identity, I, every person I've ever talked to about racial identity has the same kind of story where you like, as a child, you like suddenly realize you're different. Like it's almost like a, like a realization thing. I think queer identity is different than that because I think it has a lot more layers and you can hide that in a way you can't hide like a gender assigned at birth or, or like racial identity in the same way. But there's a lot of parallels there. Frankly, <laughs> I sent this to you a message I'll say on here. I feel like there's a really strong, like, Israel allegory and like Barbie land where it's like no the women are going to be in charge here and you don't have rights and like have fun like finding yourself like the end of the movie is basically like female supremacy in Barbie land which is I felt like there's something there I feel like the story is good enough on its own to have ways it tells other stories like one of the brilliances of old Hollywood is that you had all these queer people telling stories and they couldn't tell queer stories and so they had to tell them in other ways you had to you had to squeeze them in the margins or tell them in a way that like just kind of hinted at it because that was not what the world wanted. And I feel like we've reached a point where you don't have to do that, but I, I want queer stories told well, and I want stories told well. And I did not personally feel like this movie was like needed two Ken's making out in the background for me to feel great about it. Well said. How did you feel about weird Barbie Kayla? Yeah. I just want to say, John, you, you captured a lot of, you know, exactly how I feel about how I wish the future of queer cinema proceeds, mm-hmm. right? Um, that it's storytelling first and more just about how life is <laughs> rather than making like a very contrived what we think gay people want type of character that's not really true to life or not always necessary for the telling of a good story. But Weird Barbie, I, I feel like, you know, is very like lesbian coded to me because yeah, she's a woman. She's a Barbie, but she definitely exists on the fringes of society, doing her own little weird thing, you know, with you the know, Birkenstocks, other little with the Birkenstocks, all these other little weird, you know, um, discontinued Barbies, right? But she also gets along with women, likes women, loves women, mm-hmm. uh, but kind of exists on the outside, right? Has maps, very prepared. <laughs> um, but also, what I find interesting though is like at the kind of turning point in the movie when they're trying to like figure out what to do they turn to weird barbie to the people on the fringes right which i find really interesting because it is kind of true that you know um historically it is like the the marginalized people who fight a lot of the battles um for for people's rights right so i just i found that to be a really interesting parallel and i know you mentioned alan already being very queer coded Alan's just a good example of what it's like to exist like as a queer person who just like I don't really know where I fit on this whole binary thing and like I don't know if I'm like how to how to be but I'm just here that is kind of a very true to life thing when you're like growing up and you know like you know like I know that I'm different I don't know in what capacity but none of these general roles really apply to me um we all have little Alan moments, I think, as like young queer people. Um, so I felt seen both by Weird Barbie and a little bit by Alan. So I felt like there was actually a lot of queer representation in this movie. It might and just the- be a little more co- like coded um, rather well, than outright. The other thing I will say about this movie is that one of the, there's a, 
Greta Gerwig is going ham with the uh, film bro references in this movie, but yeah. one that I think is very obvious and I think is a much better queer movie if you like for that if you want it is the matrix like there's a very clear like illusion the matrix the matrix has a huge amount of like you're thinking about awakening from all these types of things you're thinking about like obviously the wachowski's journey in terms of their gender identity since those movies like those are such like obviously like classically queer movies in the same way frankly fight club is and the fact that like bros have taken them over is also its own subtext but there's like there are the illusions there are ways to do it but like we've t- I if I really want to know about like that kind of stuff I'll go watch the Wachowski's movies and so I I really like this for what it was shout out to your pin tweet Kayla that's a classic um, <laughs> yeah to the extent also Kayla that you were talking about uh it being a um that this com- this movie is doing anything meta um I, I was talking to my I have, a, I have another friend named Kayla and I was talking to her about this earlier she had a lot of thoughts on it she loved the movie uh she talked to me a lot about Magic Earrington and its history as like a um it's, its history is like something that was like a very successful Ken apparently though like a lot of people like outwardly acknowledge this Ken is very clearly gay and it apparently it sold very well and they still took it off the shelves anyway just because it was like they they didn't want to go there uh with whatever they thought they people might read into that about them as a company and to have him and what was the other Ken that was hanging out with him now I'm forgetting um, sugar, sugar daddy, daddy Ken, Ken? Yeah. yeah but they were just like Real? That was also queer coded, but also in a way I did love. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that one is real. I think all, all these things that you see out there are discontinued Barbies of some kind. Again, like I and again, while I had my issues with the Mattel people, I thought it was like because they have Midge, like the pregnant Barbie, which is like a thing that like they uh, that they also discontinued. I so I enjoyed when like the the exact like saw Midge and was caught off guard. But like I think it it, it is it, it it's an interesting little meta thing where they're not going like they're not having to spend too much time on it or like kind of beat you over the head with it. But the fact they're just kind of there, but off to the side with weird Barbie. It says a lot about like Mattel as a company and the way they like they treated these other um, these other different kind of forms of representation for so long. And I thought they did it in a way that like didn't call too much attention to it, didn't feel like they were beating you over the head with it, but still like kind of got a message across for like, hey, how we can do better in a way that didn't feel too preachy to me, which I appreciated. Well, also the fact that all the Barbie shit talk weird Barbie behind her back and like that's a whole plot too. Like mm. there are levels of alienation and in-group and out-group throughout the entire thing that are really interesting in terms of like who really is a Barbie. Yeah. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, um, while we're here talking about all these other different kind of uh, Barbies they threw in there. I wanted to ask you guys because we we talked a lot about uh, Gosling and Margot Robbie but haven't really talked too much about specifically about any of the other actors aside from America Ferrara and they throw a lot of people in here. I don't know if any one of them gets like too much screen time. I think maybe the next most out of any of them would have been Simu Liu as like the rival Ken. But like, were there any other, uh, were there any other, any other performances? Cause they give a lot of people a, a couple moments basically uh, with all these different Barbies and Kens. Were there any others that you wanted to like shout out that you thought like, oh, that's a cool, perf- that's a, gr- a good performance. Oh, I, I, oh, I, did, I guess I did talk about Kate McKinnon. I thought I really did think she was great. I thought like she's often asked to be too crazy. And I thought they like, made her the right amount of weird and like gave her like a lot of like she had some like really interesting lines i like that they made her like as warm and understanding as she did while like not necessarily toning down the weirdness i liked what she brought and i think we all agree on that but everyone else is like smaller doses was there anyone that you were like i really like what they did here and they really made the most out of like limited time honestly i feel like everybody did a really good job Mm -hmm. um even barbies with less screen time i remember them and i remember their performances um so i just feel like the cast as a whole very mm-hmm. strong nothing felt no one fell flat who who is the actress who plays Maeve on sex education uh yeah uh, Emma, 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 Emma Mackey I do yeah, I there's a want, lot of sex education in this movie yes <laughs> I just want to say um I just I found it interesting that 
Margot and her were cast in the same movie. <laughs> that was done on purpose because they were going to make a joke about but it. They did, but they didn't. But they didn't make her blonde. That was like an intentional thing. Yeah. Uh, they, um, they just, but they just had her in her anyway, which was fun. But yeah, no, I, I feel like the, the whole cast was very strong. President Barbie, ten out of ten. Yeah, everybody I, did great. I, I thought Issa brought it. I, I, I particularly, it's funny that he's having this interesting moment right now because Kingsley Benadir is playing the villain on Marvel Secret Invasion, a show that's been kind of maligned, but he's I, I, I enjoy him in it. And his Ken like had an interesting moment in the first in, in the first half of the movie where he's like, he he is lifeguard. Ryan Gosling is beach. He is more lifeguard. Uh, but like he, he's very funny when he like throws up and they get mad at him when he's like throwing up at like Barbie having flat feet and all the Barbies get mad at him after he has a moment where he throws up and he really doesn't get to do like almost anything else in the first half of the movie other than I think stand behind Ryan Gosling's Ken in a couple of moments. But I like I thought he had a lot of funny moments where he like just had to give a reaction or uh, to what was going on in the second half when like they are going on this whole journey of being like the, the with with having their patriarchy dismantled. I think he he has a lot of funny moments where he's just asked to do something like really fast and I and, and I just really appreciate him. I I I, I generally appreciate Simu Liu as an actor. I thought he had a fun get getting to play a heel. He's normally I'd say a bit more of a stand up guy and other stuff he does. So. I had a lot of fun with him too. Um, any other performance performers you wanted to give a shout out to John? So what I was thinking is you were talking about this is I just mm -hmm. feel like the Barbies to, are not given enough individually to actually stand out on their own in that way. Mm -hmm. Like I can go throughout, like obviously talk about physicist Barbie. Like I can think about like president Barbie. I'm thinking of the one who is the, I think it's, yeah, Alex, um, writer Barbie, who has like the curly hair is like the, one of the first mm -hmm. ones they deprogram. There are like little bits there, but I feel like if I think about any secondary Barbies or Ken's, I will think mm -hmm. of Simu Liu and Kingsley Benadir because they were like in the background making these like <laughs> insane faces for like an hour. And so, and they had little bits and pieces, but I honestly felt like they were given a little more range, whereas the Barbies really only come into the plot as they're being deprogrammed and then like for random like group scenes. But I don't feel like, I feel like the, Ken's get a little more there and so those are the two that stood out to me obviously like, there's like yeah. John Cena's a mermaid which is hilarious <laughs> um and there's bits um the I would we should talk about the scene at some point but I thought Rhea Perlman was incredible oh um, yeah we kind of we kind of jumped around to that one um we've kind of glossed over that part of the movie um what what did you think about the choice with what they went there with her where she plays uh the the spirit of Ruth Handel who was like uh a, a, uh, I guess a, she had a, she had a specific job title within Mattel, even though she was like the original kind of conceived conceiver of Barbie. But she had like she was like in an exec position at Mattel for some time. Um, passed away in the earlier in the two thousands, but uh, they give her a presence through this with Rhea Perlman. Uh, how how did you think they did in like kind of making that a something that they kind of broke off from the rest of the frenetic fun pace of this movie? It is another digression. And how how do you think they did in like making that feel essential? I think there's a moment in this movie that you realize that Barbie is never going back. And mm. I think that if you think about weird Barbie as being one end of that, I think that Rhea Perlman's character is the other end of that, where you have these characters that kind of see uh, stereotypical Barbie for who she is, see this is not fitting and are able to give like part of what's brilliant about that. Like there's the initial scene that's like the coffee table. It's just very sweet, but it's like kind of like a, it's, it's, it's very mother daughtery. But I think there's a fascinating thing coming back of like, the context of you have a weight on your shoulders, stereotypical Barbie, Margot Robbie, that no person could handle. You are not a person, you're an idea. And the idea of how do you, once you realize that, how do you live like that? And is that possible? I think is really fascinating. And I think the way that she comes in is frankly, the tax evasion jokes were hilarious. Um, <laughs> there were a lot of like, 
second shot of this, like there were just like a lot of times when just the entire theater just cackled. And like the obviously the the uh Margot Robbie's too pretty for this line obviously was one of those, but incredible. But I just felt like her performance brought in that other side. And same way America Ferrera is like one pole away from the Barbies. I felt like she was a very different pole where she was like she brought a lot of voice to like a lot of the movies about womanhood and all the contradictions and all the ways you like it's impossible to survive that. But I feel like part of what's fascinating about telling that story through a Barbie is that she has her own things of like, no matter who you are, you're still what a lot of people view as the blonde bimbo toy. And so it's just like, it's a fascinating thing. And I think she was the right energy to bring that through the end. Cause like, I was just thinking of Ted Danson in the good place through that entire sequence. And I was just like, Oh, this is what we're doing. Okay. Mm. But in the same way with the Birkenstocks, there was no choice. You just, you know, now you can't go back it felt like that with Margot Robbie and it felt like she was the right character to kind of bring that forward to handle that kind of emotional montage and kind of the understanding of like Margot Robbie's character is the abstract of what being human is. And then you have America Ferrera, like, and her daughter, forgetting the actress's name, but that, which is kind of the more reality of it, where she's like, I have a daughter who hates me and a husband who's on this couch doing Duolingo. Like I'm going to have some fun right now and draw my weird Barbies. And so it's very interesting. I think she was the perfect energy to kind of bring that abstract idea forward in a way that like, I'm still not crazy about. It still felt like Greta Gerwig like binged the good place during quarantine. and was like, what if Barbie like came to the real world? Like, but I felt like it worked. And I felt again, when you get to that last line where it's not going to a job, it's not going to think it's going to my gynecologist. It undermines so many of the things that you're expecting and the ways you think it's going to resolve in a way that I felt still kept the energy up. Plus the tax evasion jokes were just so I loved it but I also think that like it is the part of the movie that I'm going to have to think a lot more about and think about how much I really think it worked because in the same way like Little Women I'm gonna talk about this for a second Little Women that ending is so clearly in her head that that is not real it's like so obviously like a, a, like a kind of like the imagination of what people expect of her it's separate from like what probably actually happens in her life there's like a digression here I don't know if this is real I don't know if this is a Harry Potter it's all in your head but that doesn't mean it's not real type of thing but just the ending of it, it's hard for me to feel great about in some oh, the, ways. The, the ending of Little Woman or Barbie? Confused. Barbie, Barbie. Okay, sorry. Oh, Barbie. Okay. Yeah, went back to Barbie. <laughs> the ending of Barbie is one that I will be thinking about for a long time, and I'm still not sure if I loved, but I also think that I don't know where else you take that character because the honest truth of it is once you realize, like once you realize you don't fit somewhere, to quote uh, Taylor Swift, it's time to go. And I think she felt that it was time to go. And I don't know what else could have happened there. But I think for me coming to the movie thinking this would be a, oh, Barbie and Ken go into the real world. Ken figures out his place in the world. Barbie figures out like their relationship and they're able to bring what they learned back to Barbie land. It was just so far from what I ever thought would happen in a, like a Mattel Barbie $150 million budget movie. And so I was like, I'll take some existentialism, but also like, it's, it's like, I, it's been what, eh, it's been three days, but it will take me a while to process how I feel fully about this. Kayla, how did you feel, how did you feel about where the movie uh, ended up uh, ultimately? Did you, did you think it stuck the landing? Um, I'm torn is not the right word. I, I'm still processing. I mean, I just saw it yesterday, mm-hmm. but I do, I will say this, the ending was very beautiful and emotional and I cried and the, the, the super cut with the whole movie is devastating, mm. but in a beautiful way, you know? But at the same time, it almost felt like a hat on a hat on a hat. Like, 
I know I said, like, I love how this movie, like, this movie did everything and was doing so many things. That's true. But also, like, we discussed all the patriarchy stuff. We did all these other things. And she's learning, you know, how to be a human. And then there's this, this new layer of existentialism, it almost feels like, where we were like, this is what it's like to be a person that just kind of added an, another layer. And it was beautiful. But it felt, I don't know if it felt out of place or just like, maybe that thread was like slowly interwoven throughout, but not as present. And it felt very kind of overwhelming at the end. I think the scene on the bus stop was the closest I got to feeling like, oh, this is about what it's like to be a person, not just a woman or not just a Ken, but a human. Um, and I think we kind of lost that thread for a while because we were dealing with the patriarchy storyline and the Ken storyline. And then at the end, it kind of came and just really laid it on thick. And it was nice. I don't know how I feel about it, especially with the ending line, um, which is also just a joke, too, because now she's a human and has genitals. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a very interesting, complex film. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with John. Like, I don't know exactly what else I would have suggested. I appreciate that they, like, continue to subvert expectations all the way up through the end. I, I, there wasn't, like, something I was, like, hoping for. I was just along for the ride, but I wasn't like, oh, that's bad. It's just... Uh-huh. It's something like, I'm kind of with you. I kind of need to sit with it, but like we're doing the podcast now because this is kind of what we need to do for scheduling reasons. Maybe it'll, I'm going to go see it again at some point this week, I think. And maybe it'll, maybe it'll hit me differently at that point. Um, But like, a, a, as of now, I'm just like, okay, well, it, it kind of made sense for what they put the character through that she would make that choice. Though maybe there's some version of this where it sets her up to stay in Barbie world that like makes more sense. And, uh, but like at the same time, like, you know, I think they wanted to like show like, okay, we got Barbie world to a slightly better place where we, we give these men more to do but the women are still empowered as they should be but like barbie wanted to like barbie you know it, it would have felt like they probably didn't take the character on enough of the journey if she just stayed there for that because she didn't she didn't necessarily change that much as far as how she would have existed in that world even if she did learn something about herself so it would have maybe felt like a lot of like it would have felt like a lot of motion to go through for her just to end up back living in the same house kind of doing the same day-to-day -day stuff with like just a, a world where the men were a little more self-fulfilled that it wouldn't have felt like at that point, like we would have done it. Barbie would have like accomplished enough with, with herself aside from like, like learning that like she can, I, I guess there's more to life than whatever she did have, but it would, it would have been hard to have seen her, see her kind of see the fruits of that, that self-actualization if she's just staying there, I suppose. You know? I think it would be cool if she was like some sort of Barbie land representative or consulate or liaison to the real world yeah oh, and like cool. like yeah. the real world just accepted like oh this is a real nation that exists and <laughs> now barbie margot robbie is involved in government and etc you know just going a little more surreal with it perhaps i don't know but it, you know whatever yeah, I, I can see that so putting aside the barbie becoming a human let's put that mm -hmm. in a second the ending of this reminds me a lot of the emotions I had with Asteroid City. And without saying too much, the way I felt at the end of that was much more of a, you think these big things are going to come, you think there's going to be a moment in a speech, and sometimes the best you can do is just get up out of bed and like and go on with your day. And it felt like America Ferrera has a speech in the middle where she talks about how like sometimes you just want to like feel like put on a top and feel pretty good about yourself for the day. And it felt very true to life where it's like, no, there's there's no big answer to any of this. There's nothing like Barbie's going to do to solve all of this at one moment. And sometimes, I mean, like we all lived through the Trump era and we're still living through the world. Like there's sometimes the best you can do is just get up in the day and like get out of bed. 
And so it does feel like it was much more human and personal in that way to, yeah, like as someone who's supposed to have seen a dentist for like the past like three years, like sometimes just get your appointment and go in is, is good enough. And so it felt like on one hand, it there's a lot of pieces to it, but I would just say that I felt like it was very down to earth and very honest to what her, like an actual person's experience would be, which is like, no you don't end up as the CFO of Mattel. Sometimes you just go out with your friends to go to an appointment. <laughs> and I like, I kind of like the, the like, it, it felt very modernist to me. It felt very like human day to day in a way that it was like the end result of this is not that she overthrows the patriarchy in the real world or frankly that the Barbies treat the, the Ken's like actual people, which is like, they were just like, we'll be a little nicer to you. <laughs> like, nothing, nothing got solved anywhere, but sometimes the best you can do is get up and try a little harder. And I, and, I, and I like that take because one thing I'd seen some people oh, criticism, some levy at it was like, oh, Greta's like identifying all these problems, but isn't actually like, you know, like saying how they should be solved. But like, that's not her job with this movie is what I would say to that, you know? And I, so I think that's an okay place to kind of, kind of leave the story. And I would agree with you on that. Um, guys, we don't, I, I, we probably need to wrap it up soon because we're just going pretty late. But I, I, one last thing I want to ask you about before we give final thoughts, uh, either of you have any th thoughts on like the craft of this movie? Cause I think there's some interesting visual gags the movie accomplishes with Barbie land, but also like it's physical comedy and the things that presents or whether or not you have any thoughts on the soundtrack. I just want to give each of you guys to give a thought on anything else about the, the, the film, the, the other crafts part of this movie that we haven't touched on yet that really you got something out of in particular. Um, I really liked the, all the transition scenes when they're transitioning from Barbie land to the real, oh, <laughs> to the real world. It's just such a visual treat and it's funny and there's some physical comedy involved there, but just the colors and the vibrancy and the outfits all just stunning. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like it's going to, it's going to be kind of cool that like, a, a, regardless of how it does, like, we don't have to have a whole discussion about like Oscar potential here, but like, uh, it, that's a whole, that's a whole discussion for like how likely it's to happen for people like above the line, but it's going to get like so many different craft nominations at the Oscars, I bet between like, you know, makeup and hairstyling and costume and production design and all of that. And it, it would all be well-deserved. And I thought they, they really like utilized that all well and did like great attention to detail and uh and had fun with the props too even you know with the whole like oh we don't have mirrors we don't actually have anything in these cups all that shit was fun john any other thoughts on the craft craftsmanship of the movie so i will say this is going to be a very fun oscar campaign from mm -hmm. the barbie production design team in that they've already put out a couple of the making of little clips i don't know if you've seen the one of the car going down the road where that's all practical like nothing in that oh, cg really like they actually built a little car like they built a full like 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 little trolley setup where it like goes in place and like it's fully practical but there was also another one where like i was reading an article where they they purposely measured all the barbie houses and cars and everything like that and basically the the barbie house compared to the person is like 23 percent smaller than it should be for an actual person and so mm. they actually scaled down all the cars and houses so that way they looked all like in them and that they're like too big for the space and so there's all these fascinating things i will say that like as someone who's like done set design like just all of barbie land is truly brilliant stuff um, I think there's a lot there. I will say the soundtrack is one that I've been fascinated by because I think there's a tendency with this type of movie to think that a soundtrack should be just like do a leap of jams and like, it should be just like the, the best pop songs the last three years. And there's something about the way they did this soundtrack where it's actually very subtle. It is not ostentatious. It is not like massive. Like there's the one dance number is over an original song, which that they're going to, I don't know who's going to win that Oscar over them. Like I, I, I'm just Ken is going to win everything, <laughs> but 
and it, like and frankly it should because it's actually like integral to the, the the movie and actually like built into it but mm-hmm. the rest of it like settles behind it in a way that i thought was really nice and that you have like the dance sequence at the beginning you have all the pieces and the way that it's constructed is not to center itself it's to fulfill the story and so even the songs they use that you do know, whether it's like we talked about Max Black, Max Black 20, the stuff like that. But I think the soundtrack, as much as I don't think it is going to like convince Pitchfork that it deserves a 10, which it did not, um, I think it perfectly suits the movie. And I think it was really, really well done. Yeah, they, uh, was the Nicki Minaj one within this story or is that something they just did in the credits? I think uh, that was the credits. Yeah, interesting. No, I agree. I agree. It's cool. And like, the number of TikToks also I saw about people crying at the end of the movie and then having that song come up was too many people were not ready for that also one joke we didn't talk about that we have to is depression barbie which that thing is going so viral I, like I, the dumb people just be like i had not seen the memes on that interesting oh it's just yeah. uh, oh so many okay so many that was the scene that i thought mattel would have an issue with the most <laughs> I I'm thought glad they would monetize that really <laughs> they're gonna yeah. sell that they should kayla any other final thoughts on barbie before we wrap up that we didn't touch on already no, I mean my only takeaway is now that I now I kind of want to buy a Barbie, which is not <laughs> even the point of the movie. Mattel's really brainwashed me. <laughs> is, 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 is out of all the Barbies they showed us, is there one you would be most apt to or most most intrigued to actually purchase for yourself? No, honestly, honestly, maybe Skipper. Go back to my roots. The one Barbie I owned as a child. Mm. I don't know. Uh, John, any other final thoughts on Barbie uh, before we wrap up? I am fascinated about what this movie says about where Greta Gerwig will go. And we talked a little bit about the the whole Narnia thing and Ooh, that aside, because really, I, I don't buy that for a second. I don't, want that, but... I don't want that either. But when I was, I will say like as someone who tried to avoid spoilers in this movie and like for the most part was very successful, I didn't realize this was like a $160 million movie budget. Until I've, seen like, di- I've seen different reporting it, on that. Like I've seen It's at least like 150. 150. Okay. Yeah. I've seen at least 150. Yeah, it says, it says uh, 128 to 145 on Wikipedia. So it, but that's a, I mean, like, I don't know off the top of my head, the Little Women budget, but I cannot imagine Lady Bird had more than like an $8 million budget. I think, and yeah, so, I think Lady Bird is about exactly that. And I think Little Women is like 40. Yeah, that sounds about right. I and mean, part of that's just like, just like star power. And like, frankly, they, I'm sure they built all of Barbie land. And so I'm sure that was not a cheap set to build. But it's fascinating to me that you have, someone who like people have gotten very twisted up about, oh, she wants to direct a Marvel movie or whatever. But like, I didn't know this was going to have dance numbers in it. I like, I, I guess I should have expected that because it's Barbie and like the whole pop thing, but I just wasn't anticipating it having several choreography numbers, it having original songs. I thought it might have like a one perfunctory one the way they do for like, we want to have an Oscar song, but I didn't think that was what it was going to be. And so it's fascinating because what you're also seeing is like Greta Gerwig telling a different kind of protagonist story than either of her first two films. And so it really shows you, you, like you could talk about like Jordan Peele or like filmmakers like have what they know and they're going to tell different versions of that. And that's okay. We shouldn't expect Greta Gerwig to suddenly transform into like a different age, a different entity. Like she is who she is, but it's fascinating to see what she can do with it. And I think what this also says is the degree to which I think she's adaptable, but I also think she can work in different scales. And I will be fascinated to see like what she sets her sights on next, because I think this was very much a like a little bit of a quarantine fever dream combined with like probably some texting with Margot Robbie at some point, like because Robbie was the producer who brought her on. And so there's a lot of stuff here, but I'm fascinated by where she goes with it. And I just think there's a really interesting angle of just like 
who does she want to be? Where does she want to go? It wouldn't shock me if this movie, like, she got nominated for, like, Best Director or something like that. I don't think this will be a Best Picture winner, but it wouldn't shock me if, like, the direction really got a lot of attention, all the things she's doing with it. And so I will just be really interested to see, now that she's made this huge event like this is beyond a movie this is an event in america so it's, it's a, it's a phenomenon it. it's making crazy money it's going to make marvel movie level money which is crazy uh it, it, whether it gets above the line oscars like that might depend on what else comes out because stuff's getting pushed because of the strike uh so i think more stuff gets pushed i think the better chance it has uh and but also like as far as what she does next who am i to say don't do a narnia movie if she wants to do a narnia movie she can do a narnia movie it's just not something i personally have a huge interest in like I, I was just on the when, I, when you mentioned about ladybird i went on the check the budget it was 10 million but then i also like there's something on there about potential sequels and i had forgotten at one point she said she would like to do a quartet of sacramento films that are spiritual sequels to ladybird mm. which would be freaking awesome but you know if she, there were those quotes that her agent gave about how she just wants to be a big time studio director and again who am i to say don't do that if like she just made a great studio movie out of something that a lot of people thought was a joke when it got announced so i mean i would like to see her like take the cachet she gets from like barbie being the phenomenon that it is and like doing a one for me as opposed to like two for them with nardia movies for netflix but if she wants to do that like i will see it i just like i would be more excited if she was like i'm gonna go make some other like something else that seems really weird and uh a little uh a bit of a left turn like barbie was or just something that's like low budget but like or something like in the vein of lady lady bird but use her cachet to get a bigger budget so i guess we'll see she's she's now in a class of director i would say jordan peele's a good example of this where like people will just go to her films in theaters no matter what they are at this point and so i think that will like i don't i can't imagine she'll do a netflix movie next though i will say i really hope the sag strike ends soon and they get everything they want because if we had to live through austin butler being elvis on the like campaign trail for a year i want to see ryan gosling just making up ken puns in yeah. like actors on actors interviews for the next eight months would i would be so happy be awesome. my little dream of greta Gerwig is for her to direct uh a remake of the crucible she could do that so well get sir sharonin in there 10 out of 10 anyway that's just my pipe dream yeah, we need Sersha back in things. Yeah. Well, yeah, there, there was stuff about how they, they wanted her to make a cameo in this because she you knows she worked with uh, Margot Robbie too on Mary Queen of Scots that this didn't work out timing wise. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, we need her to go make something else. It's not a costume drama. Uh, Kayla, before we before we get out of here, uh, anything else you've been watching recently you want to recommend like we normally do at this point in the podcast? Um, Honestly, no. I've been mm. very busy. Okay. Fair enough, John. You've been—I know you've been at the theaters a lot lately, and probably watching stuff on your own. Anything you want to shout out and before we wrap up? Um, we talked like I saw Francis Ha finally, which was a very exciting, like enjoyable experience. Although I will say, again, that reminded me a lot of like a very unlikable protagonist with a lot of empathy. Um, but the movie I will recommend is, and people have recommended, it, but I—I I really loved Asteroid City. Um, I'm not like a Wes Anderson obsessive. I saw Moonrise Kingdom in theaters, and I've seen like Budapest and stuff like that, but like probably since my memory of seeing Moonrise Kingdom, it was, it had like the right level of like modernist, like day to day, not everything goes the right way, but like kind of the beauty of everyday life kind of stuff that I just adored with like, obviously aliens and shit like that, but exceptional movie, like makes me want to go back and watch all the other Wes Anderson's I haven't seen. Okay, uh, good recommendation. I, I'm, I'm for reasons we will explain whenever I do a podcast on that, my opinion on it is incomplete at this point. Uh, I, uh, I, I don't have a lot to strongly recommend. I just want more people to watch 
Project Greenlight, the newest version that's popped up on HBO Max, where they it's moved on from having Ben Affleck and Matt Damon as the shepherds and mentors on the show. And it's now being run by, uh, funny enough, Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani. You're not being run by, but they're kind of the public facing people on it. And, oh, God, I it's like, you know, they, 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 that show is like, you know, it's for those who don't know, it's, you know, a reality show about the making of an independent film. And uh, the first four seasons, there was three in the early 2000s, and then they rebooted it in 2015. Those had Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. None of them ever resulted in a good movie being made. And uh, it looks like the new season is headed that way as well. And I think it's fascinating the reasons why and how that and why that is the case and how the production of the movie is bumping up against the production of a reality show and how I think they might be setting this filmmaker up for failure. But I want I I'm looking for people to talk about it with because I don't know anyone else that has watched it. So I want people to talk about it and share their thoughts with me. So I I don't necessarily think it's I guess it's probably is a good reality show. I just think it's like. I got the people in it are making me angry and I want to, I want people to talk about it with. So I would shout out, I would shout, I, I would ask that some people check that out on it's not HBO max anymore on max freaking HBO and Warner's off on its bullshit. But uh, I guess they got something right with uh, the movie we just talked about. Uh, Kayla, if people want to find you on social media and whatnot, where can they do that? Uh, on Twitter at, at Kayla Stetzel, K-Y-L-A-S-T-E-T-Z-E-L. There you go. John, what about you? Twitter, letterbox, anything you want to plug? Uh, yes, uh, on Twitter, I'm at Twitter uh, on Twitter at uh, J L, and then it's my last name P U L I C E. I do not remember what my letterbox is, and we do this every time, and I forget. Um, it'll be linked somewhere. That's, That's okay. They, 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 I don't follow that many people. They can. Find it's the it same. Right. It is oh, the okay. same. There you go. There you go. Uh, as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on Twitter and Letterboxd. Podcast Twitter is at RealOnMoviePod. Podcast email is RealOnMoviePod at gmail.com. Uh, coming up next on the podcast, we are going to have an episode on Oppenheimer with our Christopher Nolan correspondent, Nick, and uh, then probably something on uh, Theater Camp with uh, our old friend Maya, who is usually the Marvel correspondent, but she has been to Theater Camp a lot in her life, so she is excited about that movie as well. So uh, everyone stay tuned for that. I want to thank John and Kayla for joining me. I think we have a couple movies that they might be back for it later this year but we'll, we'll 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 talk about that when it comes because who knows what's getting released when at this point unfortunately with the strike so i don't want to promise anything right now uh so thank thanks again to john and kayla thanks to uh all of you for listening and we'll see you next time